Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. and Odyssey Insider Cody Decker. We are back, we are back, we are back in a big-time way. Welcome to Big Time Baseball and Odyssey Sports. I'm Cody Decker, former professional baseball player, turned professional smartass on the radio. And, of course, with me, as always, the one, the only, the single best radio play-by-play guy in all of San Diego when he is calling those games. He is Tony Gwynn Jr. You are too kind, Cody, too kind. And I can't wait to get into... This rundown today, because as you guys know, uh, we've talked about on this show, our producer, Dylan, is a huge Mets fan, and he has been in full meltdown mode over the last four days. And I just, you can tell, as we start to go through this rundown, you'll be able to tell where his emotions are really at. As we read you some of the uh, headlines of the of the rundown today, Cole. Yeah, and he's not wrong, though, to put this at the top of the thing, because, listen, I I like the Mets a little bit, too. They have a soft spot in my heart, but here's the fact of the matter. No matter what happens, at the end of the day, they are the New York Mets. And if and there there's an old saying that, um, you know, there you have to always know that there's one thing the Mets will always do. They will always let you down at some point. And my I, Mm. I think I believe Artie Lang had this great joke about how there are times where where he's a degenerate gambler and he's like oh you know you know I used to be really into girls when I was a kid and I was in the Mets and I got really into the girls and then I really got into Mets again because I realized there are a time where you know women will not only let you down but Mets will always let you down and (laughs) and it's and it's just the Mets man I don't know what it is I don't know if it's a curse I don't know if it's just a thing that you're always going to be the stepchild in New York and behind the Yankees but Man, the Mets have imploded in the most horrid way this last week. And what else can you say other than embarrassing? Well, can we start with the the Edwin Diaz point on the the four hundred and sixty foot uh, bomb? Well, let's, let's is, not let's not forget that this is not the first time that Edwin Diaz has done this this season alone. Nope, it's not. It's not. And this one was a half-hearted point, too. Like, you could just, as he turned to see the ball, it was like, oh, I hope this one isn't going out, so I'm going to point. And then it went way out. 
and you know, at this point, we've had the discussion over and over again. It's not a good look, and uh, I don't think you're fooling anybody either. By the way, like it's not it's not as though the hitter is like, dang, I must have missed it because he's pointing in the sky. <laughs> the ball is literally going into the second deck. So uh, that's where that's where the bad stuff started in that series for uh, for the Mets. Yeah, some bad juju with that that pointing of the up. But I actually looked at it a different way. I freeze-framed that shot of him pointing up and turning around <laughs> because the look on his face and the positioning of his hand and finger were on two different uh, planes of existence. Because you could see in his face he knew what he did, but his hand is just adamant not willing to accept the truth. It's like they were on... They were, they were being controlled by two different brains. Yeah, it was completely the, right. The face, the face was controlled by the brain. I was like, man, that ball's way out. And the, <laughs> the finger, the finger was was pointed was was controlled by a different brain that thought, uh, I think this ball's gone too. But I, there's a chance that it might not be. And it just it just didn't work. It didn't work out. Nor did the rest of that series for the Mets. Phillies going there, they sweep them. They seem like a team that's playing with a bunch of confidence. And although the Mets went out and made some of what I thought was some really good moves, Same. Uh, they're playing like a team that doesn't have a whole lot of confidence. And let's not forget, this is a team that fired their hitting coach, Chili Davis, a month and a half into the season because they were 11th in the league in hitting. And now they're right around the very bottom in the league in hitting. It has been horrid how bad they've been offensively. But you know what? Let me give, let me give the listeners a quick inside baseball thing here on how our rundowns work. And you just know this is written by a Mets fan. I want you to really, <laughs> really hear how I'm going to say this next sentence. <laughs> because right here on my rundown, it says, and I quote, this was bound to happen. The Mets have a stretch. <laughs> the Mets have a stretch of 13 games against the Dodgers and Giants coming up, which, yes, I freely admit is a tough schedule coming up and they're not going to look good. But the fact that it opens up with the phrase, this was bound to happen is the most Mets fan sentence you could ever read in your life. It, it doesn't stop there, though. The next one is, Time to hit the panic button for the Mets, question mark. And it continues on with, how do you stop a downward spiral like the Mets are on? In other words, we need to have uh, we need to have a real uh, quality and wellness check on our producer, Dylan. <laughs> because he is in a dark place because of the New York Mets. And I don't blame him. This team has been terrible. This is a team that I really, really believe in, by the way. I think this is a team yeah. that can really hit also. That's the worst part about this. We know they can pitch. You look at this, this that, that, that starting staff, even that bullpen. I know it's a little shaky with Edwin Diaz at the end of it. We even had Zach Scott on this show a couple of weeks ago, and you know, he was trying to be subtle, basically saying that he was, yeah, we're very, we're very confident with Edwin Diaz at the end of that bullpen. No, you're not. We knew you were going after Kimbrell, and they didn't get Kimbrell. Uh, but you're looking at this offense, one through nine. This team has got hitters. You got Lindor. You got Baez. You got you got you got Alonzo. You got you got guys who can really swing the bat, and they just are not doing it. No, they're they're struggling. They're struggling. And listen, I'm not willing to just completely count them out. Although this looks bad, and and in some ways. Because of the way that division was going, I think we've talked about it a, a few different times on this show. Um, it just takes one team to get hot because there was never really any distance 
our separation between the Mets and everybody else. It was kind of just the Mets. They were about at the most four games up. It seemed like they couldn't get past that threshold. And it was just going to take a team to get hot. The Phillies have gotten hot. And now um, that offense is, is starting to play to the level that I think we've kind of been waiting on, it seems like, for a couple years now where – it, they were mediocre, mediocre, and now they seem like they're starting to come out of the shell and they're believing on the flip side, the Mets, they're going the opposite way. And I can't really explain why. I like the Mets. I think the Mets have a good ball club. I think they got all the elements you need to make a deep run, except they don't look like themselves. And it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't, I can't gloss over the fact that you're missing Jacob DeGrom mm-hmm. and the type of confidence that, brings your ball club regardless of whether he's on the mound or not you know for a fact when he's healthy you have somebody if you are bleeding he's going to stop it that's just there's just no other way they don't have that right now right now they are depending on guys like like walker who has had a great season but he's never had a, a a a finished season right where he goes from start to end and that's starting to kind of rear its ugly head right now and they couldn't they couldn't be more in need of Jacob DeGrom coming back. And it doesn't sound like he's coming back to at least September. So they got to find a way to at least stay close in striking distance before he comes back or this, this division is going to be lost for them. You know, you made a couple of amazing points right there that I really think should be reiterated. One on DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom, you're right. You know, it's a guy that plays once every five games. You can't remotely quantify how important that is mainly because just the fact that you know he's pitching in two days you know you have a win in two days so no matter what you're not going to be going through a five game losing streak you got DeGrom in two days you're fine you're going to win that game no matter what it's Jacob DeGrom they don't have that at the moment and that's got to shock the hell out of their confidence Um, and and honestly knowing DeGrom is down immediately makes me look at the team like they are a different baseball team. They're not the same team without uh, Jacob DeGrom healthy in that lineup. No, you're absolutely right. And the other thing that, and and this is a, a, on a smaller level, but you and I talk about chemistry and how guys fit into a clubhouse and you never know when you make moves. The Baez move looks great, right? And it's it seems like the right type of move for them to make. You get to put two elite infielders on the same infield together. I can tell you from watching here in San Diego, it, it makes a huge difference. However, I, I, I did kind of raise my eyebrows when like the first comment we heard from Baez, uh, and it wasn't necessarily like he was offering it up. He was asked a question and the conversation was, I think the question was something about Chicago. And he was like, I would love to go back there when it's all said and done. I don't know that that's the thing that I'm saying the first time I get into a a new clubhouse that I've been traded to, you know, especially in a division like that, that kind of raised my eyebrows. Does he, does he want to be there? Is is this something where he's like sad that he's not in Chicago no more and that's where he wants to be. I don't know how the other teammates, if they read that would would take to that. And uh, so far it hasn't necessarily lived up to the billing that I think we might've expected when the trade went down. Yeah, you know, there was some early excitement, a couple of home runs here and there, but it's, you know, he came out of the game yesterday. They said hip tightness. It did look like he took a very awkward and uncomfortable swing, although yeah. our producer Dylan ha- is a pure Met fan and believes that it was faking it. How dare he? He grounded out. He's just doing that thing that Mets do. <laughs> that's, Which, that's, how you, that's how you know Dylan's a Mets fan. Yeah, he, 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 
pure and pure and simple Mets fan. No, he's fine. Get over there. Get him back out there. Um, but yeah, no, I, the other, the other point you made that I really liked was on Taiwan Walker. Cause you're right. The guy's never been healthy through a whole season. We've never gotten to see the full extent of Taiwan Walker, but even yesterday he went out and did his job. He pitched a yeah. gem of a game, only gave up two runs and they lose two nothing. This team needs to swing the bats because their pitchers are still carrying them. Their bats just are not helping them out in any way. But, you know, we talked about the Phillies. They are now in first place, one of the hottest teams in baseball. They are 8-10 and 10 in their last game, last 10 games. I'm sorry, 8-2 and two in their uh, previous 10 games. Not to mention that the Mets are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. Bit of, a, bit of a massive switch right there. Not to mention the Atlanta Braves, a team that I feel like everybody has been sleeping on. They made some massive, massive acquisitions at the uh, deadline. They got Soler, Rosario, Duvall, Jock Peterson, Stephen Vogt. They made some really good, sneaky moves. And like that, they are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, and they are now in second place. They even uh, leapfrogged the Mets. I think a lot of people are sleeping on these Braves, and I think it's easy to do that without Acuna Jr., but you know, if Max Fried comes and has a pretty good second half, he got the win yesterday, this is a team that could very much steamroll this division and actually cause some serious trouble in October. I, I 100% agree. This is They made... Uh, th th that's the thing, is there are a bunch of teams that made like solid moves at the deadline. The Braves being at the top of that list. I mean, you Soler, Rosario, Duvall, Peterson, Voight, you all, you, Voight, you mentioned all of those guys. They are exactly what the Braves needed. You, you're never going to replace Acuna, right? But you can get a bunch of guys to kind of supplement, you know, what you're missing from a guy like Acuna. And all of these guys kind of fit that mold. You're going to get the power element from Soler and Duvall. You're going to get a guy who can do a little bit of everything in Rosario, can play some D. Jock is a great left-hand bat, um, depending on your matchups and if you want to go that route. Um, and I, listen, Stephen Vogt is, is very sound behind the plate. He, he, can, he can manage a game, and he can do some things at the plate. I like the moves they made. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. Uh, although, I listen, I think – the way Philly is playing right now, and this is like we, we still we're in August still. So, I mean, you might get to the end of this month and I might feel differently, but they just seem like that bunch of guys believes in it. And it, it reminds me a little bit of the Giants. It's almost like the Giants have been doing it the whole year. The Philly is a team that has had plenty of potential to do it, but they hadn't lived up to it. But it looks like when you watch them play, they believe that they are they are arriving. And that's a dangerous thing. I think it's. I don't think it's any coincidence that in the last ten games you got the Phillies at eight and two, the Braves at seven and three, and the Mets have totally flip flopped, and they're two and eight. That's um, the right pieces coming in and fitting in perfectly at the right time. You mentioned that about the Phillies. Not only that, if you watch that Mets Phillies game yesterday, the Phillies are clearly having the time of their lives playing baseball right now, and it, it's infectious. Just the way that stadium was going off yesterday, and I mean, it, it was fun to watch that game. It's fun to watch this team right now. Same with the Braves; are really coming alive. And I think the NL East, as disastrous as it's been, might be a lot of fun to watch these next two months. Who who was that again? I'm sorry, you cut out. Oh, I said that I just think the East and the NL, as disastrous as it's been for the last uh, you know, three months, these last two months coming up might be the most exciting baseball we're going to see. Because I think again, you're right. 
We don't know what we're going to see out of the Mets. The Phillies look like they believe in themselves and they look like they're having the time of their lives. Not to mention they needed to do one major thing at the deadline. And they did. They didn't make any splashy moves in the bullpen, but they got some really good, solid bullpen arms. We saw Ian uh, Kennedy yesterday end the game with nothing but 93 mile per hour fastballs. And the Mets made him look like he was throwing 123. <laughs> that's that's the Kennedy for you. He, he seems to have that sneaky fastball that just blows by everybody. Uh, listen, that is the one thing that the Phillies have needed, right? We've talked about how long has their bullpen been in shambles? Like two years? Oh, they terrible. Finally, yeah, it, it, they finally got some pieces. And, it, and listen, they have tried to go out and get pieces before, and it didn't work out. These ones have fit. They've play, they pitched well so far. It's early in terms of the returns that you're getting. Um, we'll find out as this season progresses, as the rest of the season comes to an end. But they seem like they have good pieces. They have, re- re- let me say it again, they have reliable pieces that you can go to the bullpen. That team is, is they got some horses with Wheeler. And by the way, we'll end up talking about him towards the end of this show because mm-hmm. he, he probably is the, the Cy Young right now with DeGrom still on the shelf. He's kind of emerged as one of the leaders, at least. Um, you got Nola. You got a good staff there. And the only thing really missing was the bullpen. And the fact that they now have some guys that uh, that Joe Girardi can, can go to the bullpen. I, we watched him earlier this year, and he was super reluctant to go to the bullpen. He was trying as hard as he could to stay with the starter as, as long as he could. But, you know, now he doesn't have to do that. He can go to the bullpen, and there's some reliable guys out there. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about the NL East. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's go with the AL East because another team that made some splashy moves. You know, we've talked about the Braves. We've talked about the Phillies. We've talked about these teams that are doing very well, teams that have gone the opposite direction since the uh, uh, trade deadline. The New York Yankees have seemed to have found themselves a little niche. They got a couple of good pieces, and next thing you know, they're winning some ball games. And right when you start to feel good about the Bronx, boom, COVID strikes again to that team. That's the third time this year that this team has been struck by a COVID outbreak. Um, This time, Anthony Rizzo, who has been a lightning rod for that offense and that team since joining. Yanks are six and a half back of the Rays. Rays playing really good baseball. What do you think? Is this something that's going to just hamstring the Yankees? Is this something that can hamstring them again coming down the road here? Or is this something they can bounce back uh, quickly from? Because they're not the team I'm worried about in the East right now. The team I'm worried about in the East is the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, you worried about them in a good way or a bad way for the Blue Jays? In a, in a good way, because this team yeah, is starting yeah. to really come alive at the right time, and the Red Sox are going in the opposite direction at the moment. They're going in the opposite direction. They may be getting some help uh, if Chris Sale is coming back. It sounds like he's getting closer. We'll see, but we're talking about last 10. Listen, here's the thing about the last 10. It starts to become – you start looking at the last 10 and it becomes um, important really once you get into August and September. So they're relevant now because you these 10-game stretches can mean the difference, as we've seen, uh, from you falling going from first to third in some cases like the Phillies, right? Boston's 2-8 and eight in their last 10. The rest of that division outside of Baltimore are all 8-2. and two. So everybody's starting to play good baseball while Boston's starting to fade out. I agree. Uh, Toronto, I don't know if they're fading out, but they're starting to play. They're not playing very good ball right now. The Blue Jays, on the other hand, it seems like ever since they moved into their building, there's been there's been that magic again. It, it reminds me of when uh, they made that run a, a, a while back with Batista. They play in that building. They just seem like they're a different squad. And you got a bunch of young dudes 
who are, are getting their first taste of, of, of pennant race baseball, and they seemingly are, are, are loving it. Now, at the top of this division is Tampa. And I think we both agreed when we talked a couple weeks ago that Nelson Cruz move was was next Huge. level. And it, it, and it very well could have been the nail in the coffin. We'll find out. But he's such a perfect fit for that ball club and that machine, as we call it, um, to where I, I have a hard time seeing them getting caught at this point. But certainly – uh, the Yankees are are they could be in some trouble, man. This is they could this couldn't have happened at a worse time. They finally are starting to play the type of baseball that was expected of them. Uh, uh, Anthony Rizzo seems to be the guy that has sparked that, and bam, he gets hit over the head uh, with the co- positive COVID test, so he's going to miss some time. We'll see how they handle that. We'll see how they handle that because it just seems, as you mentioned, since he's been there, that team has has been the team we've expected them all year to be. Yeah, and keep in mind, there's other teams as well that have low vaccination rates that COVID could play an actual factor down the road here this next month and a half, two months, even into yeah. October. So, like, let's not pretend that this is we're all past the darkness of where we've been this last year and a half. This could very much affect a playoff race and take a team completely out of it. It legitimately could happen. And I'm, I'm very much hoping it doesn't happen to the Yankees because, you know, since this is taking place, since they've made these trades, they've been pretty fun to watch. And the AL yeah. East finally has felt like it's been basically two teams to me all season. It's been it's been the Red Sox who have just blown everybody away and the Rays who, you know, are just going to keep standing pat. But we were waiting for the Yankees to finally break out. And they're, now they finally have. You got Joey Gallo, who hit a homer the other day that really electrified that crowd. We've seen what Rizzo's doing. And right like this, just smacking you back right down to reality. Again, like you said, the Toronto Blue Jays playing at the Rogers Center. There is something about that. There is something yeah. mystifying about this team playing in the Rogers Center. It is exciting. And that home run that Springer hit yesterday, three-run home run to take the lead, was one of the most touched baseballs I may have ever witnessed. Yeah, I, I'm glad there wasn't a point up for that one, first and foremost. Um, <laughs> the, the ball has the always seemingly jumped in that ball yard, and and uh, listen, when when George Springer is healthy, in my opinion, he, he's one of the funner players to watch in, in baseball because he rises to the occasion. We saw it in that that World Series run they made. He was at the top of that lineup doing damage. And it doesn't seem like that's changed much since he's put on that Toronto uniform. Ever since he's been healthy, seems like when the moment's been at their biggest, George Springer has, uh, has certainly risen to the occasion. So. Uh, the, the Toronto team is certainly a team to watch as, as we as you as you start to look into that wild card uh, on the American League side. It's the Yankees in Toronto, really. I mean, Seattle's there. I don't know if anybody believes that they can make that final push to become one of the second two uh, um, wild card teams. But certainly you're looking at the Yankees in Toronto. You gotta like Toronto, man. I, I, there's something about that squad that you 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 like and enjoy watching because they play with such with such youth. Mm-hmm. And I I just love that pitching staff. I love the moves they made during the the trade deadline. Another team like we talked about the Braves making these huge moves that were somehow under the radar. Same with the Oakland A's. I'll put them right there in the same package. Oh, yeah. Huge moves, but somehow just no one paid attention to them. I felt like the Toronto Blue Jays did the exact same thing. Everyone was so busy looking at the Rizzos and and uh, and the um, Gallows going to New York that they're not paying attention to the the absolute aircraft carrier that the Toronto Blue Jays moved over to Toronto. 
Um, I re- I'm really liking this. But if I were to ask you a question right now, no thinking about it, just right off the top of your head, who wins the AL pennant? Oh, damn. Uh, White Sox. Nailed it. I think the same thing. I think the White, I think the White Sox are the best team in the AL, man. They're just so good. <laughs> they're 10 to 10 games, 10 and a half games up right now. Uh, and they're almost in cruise control. I mean, what, what you, I think the thing that's going to separate, that's going to, has a chance to really separate them is the back end of their bullpen. Mm-hmm. You got, you, you got those two basically closers going eight and nine. And, um, I, nobody else has anything like that. Nobody. And, and it's not the, only just that, the, just look at their, not their offense. They might have the best offense in the American league. They do have the best starting staff in probably all yes. of baseball. And I'm saying that yes. with the Dodgers in existence, like that's yeah. how good that White Sox staff is. My goodness. And like you said, the bullpen second to none in baseball. It's just yeah, that no, ridiculous. Nobody has anything that matches, uh, at least from the bullpen standpoint that I, that I think the White Sox bring back in part. I mean, you, you got two elite guys there. Um, Eloy Jimenez back in action. Uh, I mean, th- these guys. This this team is this team was picked is the only team in baseball that you know people predicted would be as good as they are and have lived up to the expectation from start to this point at so far. And it's and it, and you really have to uh, admire the way they've gone about their business because this is a, a a team that I'd say is more young than old, right? And they've met that expectation, you know, head on. And you just got to give that that ball club a, a, a lot of credit. I mean, it, guys stepping up. Brian Goodwin has hit the hit the hit a couple homers that have been, you know, walk off type. They go out and make a move for Cesar Hernandez, who I I, I think is a great ball player. He fits mm-hmm. that team perfectly. Um, and, and, and listen, they've had some magical things happen. Sebi Se, uh, Se, Zavalia uh, mm-hmm. ends up going. Uh, Sebi Savala ends up going um, three homers and his, it hits his first homer and hits three of them that day. Like they've had a little bit of all of that magic kind of going and that team doesn't, in my opinion, I think they win the AL and that's, I'm, and that's hard because I, I like the Astros a lot in the AL. That team is, is, is really good, but I think the White Sox have just a bit, a little bit more. It'll be fun to see those teams. Hopefully we get that matchup. Cause I think that's the best matchup as far as AL championship goes is, is those two teams facing off against one another. Amazing that we're saying that, knowing that the Tampa Bay Rays are over in the East, (laughs) and we're saying that, yeah, forget about those guys. It's all about these two teams because the White Sox are just that ridiculous. And you hit the nail on the head, cruise control. They are sleepwalking through teams at this point. Eloy yesterday hit two home runs like it was nothing. Cease, another 11K game. Dylan Cease. A guy who has just come out of seemingly nowhere. I mean, he was always going to be a good pitcher. Did anybody expect him to be this good? Rodon, possibly, you know, right, making his name for a potential Cy Young award. Like, this is just a team that's just everywhere. They just, every way they can, will and can beat you. It's amazing. I just, I love it. It's it's crazy. Their worst starter is Keiko. I and know he's, he he's he's still a, he's still a really good pitcher at the big league level. He's their worst pitcher, and so I mean, when you have a their staff is and you mentioned and you you said it perfectly. When you start saying that their staff is the best in baseball, just think about some of the staffs out there. I mean, 
when the Dodgers are healthy, they're running out Scherzer, Kershaw, Walker Bueller, and I said him third. I probably should have put him up up top because he's <laughs> he he's one of the guys slept on in this game. You got Urias. And whoever the fifth one is at this point, whether it's Gonsolin, whether it's Price, they've kind of done different things at that spot. Um, that's a pretty good rotation. But the the White Sox probably have a more complete rotation when it's all said and done. Yeah, it, it really is ridiculous. And, hey, you know, we just mentioned the word that everyone loves to hear, Cy Young. Mm. NL Cy Young, we've been talking about all year. We thought it was just a foregone conclusion. Jacob deGrom, Jacob deGrom, Jacob deGrom. And it still very much could be the possibility. However... I'm going to give a scenario here. Say Jacob deGrom doesn't come back this season. In my eyes, you can't give him the Cy Young anymore. What do you think? No, I agree. You can't. If he doesn't pitch the rest of the season, there's no way you can give him the Cy Young. Like what he, he has the first made, half. He, I, listen, I, I, I get it. It's a great first half. But, you know, unfortunately, we have a lot of all-stars that have great first halves and then disappear in the second half. That's virtually what DeGrom has done. It's not that he's disappeared because of performance. He's disappeared because of injury. And listen, it sucks, but you can't get a, a Cy Young only pitching half a season. And it just it just does not, in my opinion, feel right. And so, you know, we, we were talking about him as an MVP at one point. Mm-hmm. As If you're going to win an MVP, as we talked about, as a pitcher in, in the National League, you better have done everything. I mean, the whole gauntlet, I mean, having a, a, an unbelievable year and pitched the whole season. So he's probably disqualified from that. Uh, if he comes back and pitches in September, this is a different conversation. In September, this is a different conversation. But right now, I don't know how you can give it to him if, as you said, the scenario is he doesn't pitch the rest of the year. My focus is on Zach Wheeler at this point. I mean, he's another complete game shut out last night or yesterday's game against the Mets. He's got a few of those this year. I think he leads the league in in complete games. Um, He's got to be the front runner right now if that scenario stays the same. I almost agree with you. I think he is the front runner and the runner up to the guy that I think should be this year's Cy Young Award winner, if it's not Jacob deGrom, of course. Walker Bueller is so good and no one acknowledges him so much so that you just lay, labeled out the Dodgers starting staff and you put him number three. I know. I, I knew as, as soon as I did it, I was like, this is that's right. You're not but you're not the only one. I do it all the time, too. And I think at Dodgers, Walker Bueller somehow is the 11th name that comes to my mind. And he is their ace. He is the best pitcher on that staff. And he threw another gem last night. I believe he's leading uh, the, with the exception of DeGrom of active players. I believe he has the best uh, ERA in baseball. He's been spearheading that entire division. I really think Walker Bueller, with the exception of Zach Wheeler going out and throwing four more complete game shutouts, I think Walker Bueller would be a really good pick for Cy Young this year. Listen, you're not wrong. You're right. Bueller's Bueller's the number one leader uh, ahead of Peralta and Woodruff. and his numbers on the year are he's second in the league and in, 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 in wins this year. That that should mean something as well. Right. Um, he, he's you know, Zach Wheeler's got him on strikeouts, but you might be right. You might have you might have made a compelling enough case uh, that it could be it, it could very well be Walker Bueller, man. And, and I, I should have known better because I've seen him probably pitch more than any of these other starters out there. And he's been legit dominant in all of those starts uh that's necessarily got the wins but 
Um, listen, I, I don't know why we keep looking over him. And 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 I don't know why the media hasn't picked up on him yet, right? I mean, it's crazy. Uh, it may, maybe it's because Scherzer and Kershaw are in that rotation or or that offense is so can be so prolific at times. Um, but it is a mystery. It is a mystery. Even as we sat here and did this, we both, or well, at least I did, I put him third on the list, as you said. It's a mystery why we don't talk about him no much. But I think you convinced me. It, it, it Walker Bueller is probably the is probably the leader right now. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a it's a hell of a battle. I'm looking forward to seeing what these guys do for the rest of the season. Let's talk a little NL MVP because, as you mentioned earlier, Jacob Degrom was at the top of all of our lists. He's officially off all of our yeah. lists. He is no yeah. longer in the running. So there's a lot of names out there that's having a hell of a year and some names that are sneakily climbing these lists right now. One name that immediately comes to mind is Bryce Harper, who's just been killing it lately. Who do you think has a chance to win the NL MVP? Because I mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago, there is a guy that I am really expecting a big second half. And that, for me, is Manny Machado. If he comes alive this second half, I don't think there's anything going to stop him. Yeah, he he well, he is alive. I can tell you that this dude is is hitting at a stupid clip right now. He's unreal. Uh, he he is. He he's 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 put this offense on their back while Fernando's out. Here's the thing: if, if Fernando comes back, uh, after, off this IL and he's Fernando, I think it's his to lose. I really do. I, I, with Degrom not in the picture anymore, there are just too many things that Fernando has done offensively, um, that. I think separate him from everything else. He's he's leading the league in slugging. He's leading the league in OPS, stolen bases, home runs. He's right there in the RBI race. So there are so many things that he does so well. I think it's his to lose, and it sounds like he's going to be coming back. Uh, I it, it, incidentally, I mean, it might not be at the shortstop position. It could be an outfield. We'll see. But I think it's his to lose. Uh, after him. I think you you got a, a, a I think you got a, a next tier. It's Tatis Jr. and then the next tier I think is Machado. I think it's Muncie, and I do think it's Harper. Harper's starting to make uh, a push now. I don't know if you remember at one point in the season he had like thirteen home runs and like ten of them were were solo shots. Mm-hmm. And he, he's now he's starting to have some guys on base when he's hit. Now that they've kind of uh, started to play better, but. Um, for me, I think he's probably at the back, even though he started to make a lot of noise. I think it's uh, guys like Machado probably is underneath Tatis. And then you got to give Muncie a whole bunch of love, too, because he's been good as well. You know, I also like Muncie as well, but I really like your pick on Tatis and I like my pick on Machado. I think this is going to be a Southern California yeah. award this year. I just really do. The, the, the two, arguably the two best of the three best teams of baseball. I just, I think that's a really good fit over there. And like you said, Machado is just putting up unreal numbers. And if Tatis comes back, even semblance of what Tatis right. has been, right. you're not wrong. He's going to be right there in that conversation, if not just the certified MVP. Uh, let's look at AL MVP because everyone has said all year, Otani, Otani, Otani. But there is one thing I want fans to really understand about all these awards. It's who votes on them. The people who right. really vote on these are writers. writers. So right. as of right now, there's been a lot of pieces written about Otani because he's done incredible things this year. He's done incredible things for the game. He's an incredible ambassador for the game globally. However, if the Toronto Blue Jays really start going on a roll, and Vlad Jr. is part of the reason, if not the main reason, that they do go on said role. 
there's going to be a lot of people writing about Vlad Jr. And when that happens going into a playoff run and into October, those writers are going to vote what's right in front of them. And if Vladdy Jr. is right in front of them, killing it in October, there's a chance some votes might be going his way. I still incline to think Otani's still the MVP, but I think Vladdy has got a lot more damage to do to change minds. And, and here's why that point is important in terms of who's voting. Um, these are first, these are humans. So you know that they can be moved one way or another based on the information that's constantly in their face as, 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 as you just put Cody. And if that happens and and the blue Jays are a team that are in the thick of a, 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 a pennant race or in the thick of getting in the wild card and Vlad jr is certainly in it. And his face is constantly going to, because here's the thing, the angels aren't going anywhere, right? They're going to keep doing, he's but he's literally going to be the guy that they show when he's either pitching or he does something because their team is not going to be relevant. I don't Mm -hmm. think down the stretch, whereas the blue Jays all of a sudden, you know, games are cutting to the blue Jays games to see what they're doing. If they're in the hunt, that has an effect on the voter. And so you're right. If the blue Jays uh, somehow can, can get into a, a, a place where, Night in, night out, people have to tune in to see what they're doing because that race is that tight. And Vlad Jr. is doing the same stuff he's been doing all year. There is, there is, uh, it's easy to see how he could somehow win this AL MVP. Now, without that, it's Otani's because of just the sheer things that he's been able to do that we just haven't seen in 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 long, long time, over a hundred years at this point, or at about a hundred years. Um, so, you know, but I do think Vlad's got a legitimate shot. I don't think this is as much of a separation as it was maybe at some point during the season. I agree with you there. I think there is separation. I still think it's Otani, but, and a lot of things got to go in the Blue Jays' direction. Exactly, or, exactly. But it definitely is not out of the realm of possibility. I, I'd i give it closer to like a, if I was putting percentage on it, I'd put it 60% 64, at Otani yeah. and 40 yeah. over at, at, at Vladdy now, but that could switch. That could absolutely change. And final award, guys, I don't think this is a foregone conclusion that Garrett Cole is your Cy Young Award winner in the AL. I don't even think it's close. I don't even think Garrett Cole is the leader. In my mind, it's two guys, and they're both in Chicago. Lance Lynn and who? Carlos Rodon. Yeah. I I think those two, it's a two-man race on on that team. Who's going to get that award? And can you believe that right now, if we if we were to reverse a year ago, were we really sit here and say Carlos Rodon is going to be a finalist for the Cy Young Award? No, I, I don't think Carlos would tell you that he would say something along those lines. But you're right. I, I, I do think it's right now. I think it is Lance Lynn's to lose. I, I totally agree. Garrett Cole for as as good as he's been this year. Um, Lance Lynn has been better. Lance Lynn plays on a better team. And because of that, I think those factors, they matter. You know what you're getting from Lance Lynn when he comes out on the mound. No matter what's happening, you're getting at least six innings. At least. You're getting at least six innings from him. That's how good he's been all season long. Uh, Cole actually has more innings pitched than he does at this point. But, again, I I, 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 I go back to the fact that that Lance Lynn is playing on a better team. He's got a, His ERA is almost under two. He's at a 2.04. Nobody's hitting the baseball off of the guy right now. And so uh, it's to me, 
in my opinion, I got Lynn, Cole, Rendon after he's the third guy. Uh, but certainly uh, this isn't Garrett Cole's trophy at this point in the year, I don't think. I don't think there's anything Garrett Cole could do to get the trophy. Because I'm going to go back to our last point where we talked about who are the people that are voting for this. Writers. And I ah, don't think yeah. Garrett Cole is going to be able to shake off when it comes to Cy Young Award voting time. Everyone that's thinking about Garrett Cole this season, the first thing they think of is that soundbite. That soundbite. And that yeah. soundbite is just going to last all year, no matter for better yeah. or worse. I, worse. I do not agree that Garrett Cole should be the poster boy for a scandal that has nothing to do with him. 100%. But, but it's just the world we're living in. And unfortunately, he is the poster boy. And I think when it comes to voting time, it's going to Lance Lynn and Rodon. It's not going to go to Garrett Cole. I mean, listen, we know how voters are being the moral police when it comes to the Hall of Fame. So it's not going to be any different when it comes to this particular instance. You're right. That sound bad. And we, I think we both said this when it happened. Like, that's not going to go well. That, that having that sound bite where he was just fumbling the question in terms of if he used Stiggy stuff or not, that's... That that's not although we're able as former players to kind of turn the page on it and move on. Most of the voters aren't most of the people who vote on these type of awards aren't able to turn that page. And that will be the that will be even whether it's true or not, that will be at the forefront of their heads that, oh, well, how did he do after the sticky stuff went away and this and that and the other? They will dissect that. That is just the nature of this business. And I think you're right. He, he, I don't know if he'll be able to shake that. Whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, I don't know if he's going to be able to, to shake that. Yeah, same. And that's just, it's unfortunate because I don't think he deserves it personally, but I think it just, one of those things, you signed with the Yankees, man, for $325 million. You knew that this was coming. Maybe not exactly this, but some things are coming. No matter what happens in baseball, there's always going to be a magnifying glass on you. Like, I was not an Alex Rodriguez fan, but I remember every time a pay dispute would come up between the CBA and they're talking about, all oh, players making too much money, the look always went immediately to Alex Rodriguez as if he was the one that caused all of this. He had nothing right. to do with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Fair point. Fair point. But as you, as you said, that is kind of the business we're in. That's how... Um, that's kind of how things fall when when you're dealing with these type of circumstances where somebody has been, you know, uh, caught or alleged to have cheat. Um, that just hangs over people. I mean, we're still seeing it in terms of the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, I mean, he's 100 percent a Hall of Famer. Without question. Mind. But but, you know, he, he he's going to he's because of how, you know, voters feel about those type of those type of incidents. Um, he's still sitting on the outside looking in. Which drives me absolutely nuts because there are other yeah. names that are in there that we know for a fact should not be in there. If it, that was the reason that they're giving, come on, right. guys. Let's right. clean it up a little bit. Barry Bonds is probably the greatest player who ever lived ever, 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 ever. Agreed. Agreed. No, no argument from here. I, I feel <laughs> best, best, best guy I've ever seen put on a uniform. And he was at the end of his career when I saw him play, like when I was on the field with him. It, it, he, he's, he is the most intimidating figure from a, Outfield standpoint, I'm all the way in center field. I felt like he was literally standing next to me in the box. That's how in, in, in imposing he was. And I got to see him play for a long time. We're getting off subject, but yes, I agree with you. Yeah, I love it. Well, before we get too far off subject, which is something that Tony and I can totally do, we're going to call it a day today on Big Time Baseball. Thank you so much for joining us. Tony, where could people find you? Everywhere is actually I mean, the answer. 
<laughs> yes, everywhere you you can find me everywhere. On Twitter, you can find me at Tony Gwynn Jr. On IG, you can find me at Tony underscore Gwynn Jr. Plus the Padres broadcast every night. And if you're in San Diego, you want to you listen to some radio, you can always catch me on 97.3 to fan Gwynn and Chris from three to seven. It is a dynamite show. I've been a guest on it many, many times. You guys got to check that out in San Diego. You can also check that out on the Odyssey app. And most importantly, guys, subscribe to Big Time Baseball wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's the Odyssey app and everywhere else. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Give it to all your friends, guys. We'll be back next week. I'm Cody Decker. You can find me at Decker6 on Twitter and Antihero Baseball on Instagram. That's it for us. Tony, you are the man. I'll see you here next week. Take care.